The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Und was der Fichtel uns jetzt gleich sagen wird, das werden wir uns anhören mit von der Party die Woodies. We regretfully interrupt Fishing with Guns with this special news bulletin. Kevin Gassman. The giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. Your pregame announcer, your pop scene sensation, Gassman. Gassman, one of the carbon blobs from Sanger's MG. Some people have said that you're retarded, not me. Hello, Summer. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> it's about a thousand degrees outside here in Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> On this Saturday afternoon, as we begin the show at three o'clock or three o two to be exact. If you want to be exact, right here on the VoiceAmerica.com Variety Channel. As you go global with gas, man, and my co-host Heidi Gad will be here in just a minute because we got aliens to talk about in a little bit as well. So that I'm looking forward to always because we have a guest coming in, Earl Sisson. He wrote a book about UFOs, and we're going to talk about his book and maybe other things that are equally important to it. So he's, he's been around for quite some time, so we're going to definitely get into some, I think, the media coverage of aliens and how it kind of disappears over the years and we'll get into that conversation so a little bit later on but Heidi what's up how you doing um hot yes I know well we can't complain we're in Arizona that's why I said yeah. hello summer we know <laughs> thank you for you, coming summer. hey at least you know it's here now and then before we know it it's gonna be gone and then we'll have another year before it gets here again this hat <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of proactive that way to be honest with you <laughs> all right so what's up everyone how you guys doing my name is Kevin Gassman of course you can call me gas it's all good and for the next hour we're gonna hit up on whatever's been going on throughout the week you know I like to kind of air it out if you will and uh, what else is going on I'll play some music I'm going to a show tonight so our music today will be from bands who are performing tonight at Livewire nice yeah so they're closing by the way Livewire is a, is a um, venue out in South Scottsdale Old Town Scottsdale Oh. Yeah, and it's a really nice venue. See, Old Town Scottsdale has kind of like the walk. You can walk around Old Town and make it feel like you're in the Old West. You know, they, right. they m- mimic it. And then you have the Old Town Scottsdale. That's the, you know, those kind of clubs. So this is Livewire. It's a really nice setup. It's, it's, it's kind of theater style with no seats. There's a balcony, though. And it's set up for a big stage and big production. But they're closing down. So I'm curious as to, uh, did they not multi-purpose the room enough to keep it going? Because right. when you build an arena like that or a venue like that, I mean, you can't just exist on one show a week or something. Unless their rent just went up so high. Well, that too. Yeah. But there's so many other venues out here in Phoenix that are opening up, and it's just, you're just, 
I, I don't know if you're spreading it out or you know are we, it's glad it's good that we have all these venues these options but yeah you know the locations where they're at aren't very aren't very sexy it's always sad when a venue yeah. goes away yeah we saw a few in the, in the past few years uh, the, a few of the the clubs that have been around for quite some time have have either just gone away or moved to another location so that's the scene out here in Phoenix, Arizona with the music. But the uh, show tonight's going to be incredible because the, the three bands that are on it, I absolutely love all three of them. Fayuka is one of them, and the Hourglass Cats is the other, and the Black Bottom Lighters are headlining tonight. Nice. And they were on this show. If you want to go back and search the archives of the Voice America Glo- Going Global show, and then you can check out the show that they were on. It was a lot of fun. And even Kellen from the Black Bottom Lighters filled in for you back when you couldn't make the show. Yes. I don't know when that was, I think February or, or maybe March? Yeah, I feel like it was around then. Right. Something like that. All right. <laughs> that was my phone. I was just checking <laughs> it out real quick. So I'm really excited about Aliens coming up a little bit because I really made a kick-ass open. I'm, I'm, I can't wait for you to hear. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a surprise. It always is, right? I always change up the openings for, for that show. I but never know what's going to happen. Right. I got to get my sheet out. I wrote a bunch of stuff about today. A lot of stuff going on, by the way. Yeah. Of course, the uh, big important news that we have to really get out of the way is Gene Simmons and his... Trademark over the what he calls devil horns. It's really the hand signal for for I love you in sign language. Right. Because he's got his his uh, what, his pinky out, his pointer out, and his thumb out. Right. That's not the devil horns. No. The devil horns you close the thumb in on yeah. the two on the two fingers that are down. Yeah. Dio Ronnie James Dio uh, brought it out. It was his family, or it was like his not his family, but it was um, where he's from, the heritage of that culture to use this hand, hand gesture, I can't remember what it's called, but you would ward off demons with it. Yeah. That's what it's what it's for. And Gene Simmons wants to kind of... Copyright it? But not that exactly one, because he doesn't do that. So I'm thinking like when you're at a concert and you see people with their their hands in the air and they're not doing the devil hand, <laughs> they're doing the what he's doing with his thumb out. Right. And because that's important, you got to have the thumb in if you want devil hands and you want to be cool. Because if you're not doing the double, the double, or the thumb down on the double, <laughs> I can't even say it right, the devil horns. Well, and we're, Kevin and I are like going in between the hand gestures right now. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, every time I take a, a, a picture, my fingers or my hands go right into the devil horns. Yeah. Thumbs down, two hands, two. It's rock and roll. It's rock man. and roll, exactly. So when I don't see that at a concert and you see the thumb out, I'm like, what are you too scared to do the devil hands? Yeah. Is that what it is? Because <laughs> that's going to come get you. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's like that's a poser. A poser would do that. Right. They wouldn't realize, you know, like, yeah. you got to put the thumb down, man. They don't know history. Bring the thumb in. But Gene Simmons, yeah, come on, dude, chill down, man. Like, yeah. I had not heard about this as news yeah. to me. Uh, it's just weird. I don't understand why he's just constantly. You know, he's kind of, oh, someone posted this. He's the Donald Trump of rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> so terrible. It's terribly true. <laughs> What's next? Somebody's going to try to coin the bird. The know? bird. <laughs> right, the finger, the middle <laughs> finger. Gene Simmons. I don't know. He just always is trying to milk something out of something else, you know? It's just something, uh, it's just weird. I can't you just go away or just be happy with what you got? Maybe he just needed some more attention and was like, oh, I'm going to do this now. I'm telling you. Maybe record sales have been down. The Donald Trump, he needs to be in the in the limelight. He needs to be talked about once in a while. <laughs> Man, that bums me out. It's like, how can you do that? Even Dio's wife's like, you know, dude, get the hell out of here. Yeah, yeah. everyone's saying that. It's like, you're just, you're ridiculous. That's I mean, goofy. Maybe he's, you know, losing it. 
I don't know. His hair's the same. A Brillo pad he wears. That's <laughs> an SOS pad for a wig. I don't know what the hell he's got going on there. All right. So what else do I have? Oh, well, since we're on the music thing, Roger Waters was in town a couple days ago, and, you know, he's touring around on his Us versus Them tour, and... He, uh, you know, he's got the Trump is, is a pig, charade, the whole deal, okay, you know, the way he is. And people are upset. I'm never going to a Roger Waters show ever again. It's like, what? Don't you Boo know? <laughs> I know, right? Like you spend your time to write down a comment to say, I'm not going to go see it because I don't like how he treats my president. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest American president ever to live and walk the face of this earth. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, uh, yeah, we're in a we're in a war against stupidity right now. Yeah. <laughs> I really believe that. I really believe we have that. There's a fine line of intelligence to stupidity, and we're we're dancing on that right now as we speak, and it's pretty terrifying. It's bad, man. <laughs> All right, let's play it too. We'll jam, but we'll jam some black bottom lighters, and this Do is it. the uh, opening for their album two of two thousand. So we have a little intro that's going to roll into the song, rocking and rolling, and then we'll come right back here on going global with gas. Man. It's Black Bottom Lighters and Rock and Rollin' is the tune. Rockin' and Rollin' is the first start of the show, the um, the album that they have, 2 2000. And that's how they actually start their concert. At least I don't know if they will tonight, but they did before. So it's a nice rollin'. I like the intro and then nice. boom, right into the song. I like to hear more bands do that, to be honest with you. Yeah. Just my thing. All right, so anyway, so I didn't really get to the, pul- the whole point of the Roger Waters thing. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't. We got so sidetracked. So uh, a friend of mine uh, hit me up on Facebook a little while ago. And excuse me, that was the that wasn't me. Me, it was the arm of the microphone. So <laughs> we're very mature here. So somebody hit me up on Facebook and says, "Yo, I know this is last minute, but I have an extra ticket to see Ann Wilson of Heart." And this is about a month ago. Right. I feel like you mentioned Ann something or Nancy, about or Nancy it. right? So I wasn't able to do it. Right. I had to bail out on it, but, right. and it bothered me. I was like, "Damn, I you know I hate turning down concerts." And so he said, well, I have a few other shows down the road that I buy tickets for. I bought tickets for. So if you hear from me again, you might get lucky. I'm like, all right, cool. Right on. He's like, you're a cool dude. I like to I like to hang out with you one time. All right, right on. And I was like, sweet. So um, he, and he says, I got Roger Waters and a few other shows. I'm like, oh, Roger Waters, I'd be, to- I'd be totally down for, right? <laughs> so what does he do? He hits me up Tuesday, the day before the concert. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got so excited. I'm like, here it comes. And he goes, uh, well, maybe maybe my wife might not go. And I was like, how 100% sure are you of this maybe, <laughs> right? He's like, I'll find out in the morning. I'm like, awesome. Nothing from the other oh, day. Man. I'm like, damn. Why would you do that to somebody? <sighs> I know. That's was, not cool, man. Well, it's weird. Is I won tickets on a, well, I'm tic- I kind of won tickets. I won a contest. It was for Audible. It was for Audible Books. Okay. Are you familiar with Audible Books? Yeah. So they posted a, a contest that says, you know, are you a member of Audible Books? What do you listen to? We'll pick winner to go to uh, to see a taping in L.A. of Dr. Katz <laughs> with Weird Al Yankovic and somebody else. I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. Hell yeah, I want to do that. So I did it. They wrote back basically saying I won. Oh, whoa. Yeah. I'm like, nice. oh, my God, this is awesome. You're I think it was get like, a we- meet Weird Al, dude. Well, no, this has already passed. It oh. was a Tuesday. Okay? Okay. And there was... Basically, no way for me to get there from Phoenix to L.A. They didn't offer any kind of flight or anything like that. Come on. And I was, uh, you know, I'm like, wait, you got my hopes up for everything. I'm like, why are you not even making that as part of the rules? You have to be in L.A. to win. We're not flying you. So. And it was, and they notified you the day of? 
It was uh, kind of the day before, so yeah, or, or a couple days before, or something like that. Yeah. Oh come on. I know, right? That's messed up. It is kind of messed up. I'm like, well, I'm in Phoenix. I, I'm at work till two in the afternoon. I, there's no way I could be there by five in the afternoon. Right. Even if I got on a plane, that st- would still be tight. Yeah. So and you could have done it. It's only a 45 minute flight, but still. Well, um, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to spend six hundred dollars for a, a you know buy an airplane ticket a day before right. we fly out. You know, it's to, messed up. It is kind of messed up. I mean, that's what I told him. I said, I go, why don't you next time you do a contest, make sure you let them know you're not flying anybody in and it's pretty much a local or regional type of place. Yeah, or give somebody some notice. Right, enough time winning. Right, exactly. Seriously. So maybe I do I think I have a case here. I think so. Emotional damage? Yeah. <laughs> I think so too. I was pretty pissed because uh, it keeps crossing my mind going, <laughs> I won, but I couldn't, I had, couldn't go because... I didn't really win. I mean, right. it's like you, you, you didn't win, right. but you did win. And, and it's you were going to get a meet Weird Al, man. I know. Like, seriously. You have no idea. Icon, dude. I know. i got to play his music now. Let's do it. <laughs> I mean, not now, it. now, but <laughs> I'm just saying, it's like, it's the only way I can get close to Weird Al if I play his music. <laughs> <sighs> the trials and tribulations. Of life. I guess, right? I mean, if you think of throw those contests out, there's a lot of those contests out on, on Facebook, though. I don't know if you've seen them or not, but you know, we're giving away this... You know, RV trailer, you know, all you got to do is like our page and comment, win, and then share it. Okay. No one's going to fucking win that shit. <laughs> no one I know is going to win. No one's going to win. <laughs> I do contests for my shop all the time. Right. Um, and I give away like strings and stuff like that. And people always, when they win, when I, you know, say, I won't ship it to you. You have to come into the shop to get it. And, you know. Right. And they come in and they're like, man, this is so awesome. Thank you. I just got a set of guitar strings. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if you guys want to try to win some guitar strings, <laughs> yeah, come yes. over to uh, Superstition Mountain Music and Mtronics. It's in Chandler, by the way, <laughs> in uh, hot as hell, Arizona. <laughs> yep. It's going to be like 120 this week, man. I, I did win last night. I was at a bar last night, and it's called The Yard. Right. The cigar Bar. Mm-hmm. It's out, and I think, I don't know if it's in Chandler or Gilbert. I'm not sure exactly. It's like over there. It's, well, it's over on, if you're living in Phoenix, it's over on Dobson and, and Elliott. So... It's a really cool place, and there was a, a, a night of music going on, and there was also a charity going on. They were raising money for somebody who got um, a sad story. I mean, a woman got hit on her motorcycle, and they had to amputate her foot. Oh, like, man. It's awful. That's terrible. terrible. She's a mom of two. Ugh. So, I mean, without saying how, and that's an awful thing, obviously. Nobody needs to go through that. That's awful. Um, I don't know. I mean, a mom of two riding a motorcycle. Yeah. It's a little risky. A little bit, yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they were raising money, so I bought a raffle ticket and ended up winning. Cool. Um, this really cool skateboard. And it's designed, <laughs> but it's not a skateboard with wheels. It's just the, the board itself. It's the deck. And it's art. It's, it's, it's the design artwork. Um, and it's a really badass. Uh, Tommy uh, Weaver, do you know I'm familiar with him? He's a local artist, but uh, no. if you find me on, on my Instagram page, it's just with Gas Man. There's two S's with Gas Man at Instagram. I posted a photo of it. That's a private photo. It's a private page, so just add me and I'll, <laughs> I'll see if you're good enough to accept. <laughs> to accept. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but it's, it's cool. It's mighty nice of you. It's a cool picture. It's the Day of the Dead type stuff. Oh, nice. So little skulls, like a few skulls on the, on the back of the cool. uh, on the thing. Yeah, so I'll show you the photo. You're going to hang it on your wall? Uh, yeah, much, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a really cool piece of artwork, yeah. Did you ever skateboard? No. 
<laughs> no, 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 no. I'm the worst person to be on a skateboard. I tried, I think, as a kid. It just it's not, it wasn't for me. No coordination whatsoever on a skateboard. So, yeah, it's a little ironic that I would buy it, or at least I, that I win that. You know, you don't like skateboard. What the hell, man? But you appreciate art. Of course, absolutely. And yeah. helping people. It was very cool, absolutely. All right, let's go to song number two. This is Fayuka. The tune is called The Cycle. Uh, these guys, well, they were a three-piece band. I think I know he's adding a few more pieces here to the band. He's adding horns. Danny from Captain Squeegee, our yeah. friend, has, uh, playing, has been playing with uh, Gabe, Gabo, if you want to call him Gabo from Fayuka. And this is the tune called The Cycle. So we'll play this, we'll come back, and then we're going to talk more nonsense or maybe not nonsense. It all depends on what's happening in my mind. It's Slippy and Stilly. Stilly from Black Bottom Ladder. Slippy, DJ, and featuring Hot Rod. No Turbulence is the tune right here on the Going Global. Yeah. What's wrong with me? It's going to be a good concert tonight, man. Yeah, Going Global with Gas Man. That's the show you're listening to. (laughs) (laughs) Live Wire in Old Town Scottsdale is the show I'm heading out to. And uh, Black Bottom Lighters will be heading up there, uh, headlining it, along with Fayuka and the Hourglass Cast. We'll play some of them in a minute as well. So. 3.30, 3.30, that's Heidi Gad. I'm Kevin Gassman, and we're going to be uh, doing some aliens in about a half an hour. So we got our guest. He's hanging out in the green room right now, Earl Sisson, and he wrote a book about UFOs, so we're going to get into that. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited because I created a really good intro that I'm excited for you guys to hear. <laughs> so uh, you were talking about in the break there, because uh, we're trying to get the whole week into uh, under an hour of conversation. Bill Cosby, his court case got uh, was a mistrial. A hung jury. A hung jury, right. Yeah. So they can't, nobody could, they didn't have enough of either right. um, guilty or not guilty to mm. decide. It's a tough case, man. Well, it is. I mean, but there's so much going against him, you know, and to, to keep seeing, you know, no justice yet. And yeah. I'm sure it's frustrating for a lot of people. And, right. you know, maybe he's smiling because he's getting away with it. And who knows? I mean. Yeah. But, I mean, that, that, that was such a shattering, you know, when you hear something, you know, especially from Bill Cosby. I mean, right. you know. America's dad. Jeez, man. I know. I mean, Fat Albert, you know, and Mission Impossible. And was he on Mission Impossible? No, he was on I, I Spy. That's what he was on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just. Picture pages. All you these things. That the far. Cosby show. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Bill Cosby picture pages. He was always so friendly. You just, you trust him. Right. You know, that's what these, you know, people that we put on TV, you trust them. And then it turns out they're just, they're not, they're just like everyone else. Right. <laughs> I mean, to, to a certain degree. Yeah. So what does that mean? Does that mean we put too much emphasis on these kind of people? I mean, they have special talents to be able to you know, make people happy or make people smile and, you know, to help people and it's great, but on the side, they don't. On the yeah. side, that's just, I don't know, it's weird. There's just so many uh, um, people mm-hmm. have come forward, like, if it was only, like, a couple, you know? Right. That's what's, like, because at first, when it first came out, I was like, oh, they're probably just trying to get money or whatever from him. Right. But it's hard to say, you know, unless a whole group of people did get together and it really isn't true, but... How do you, how do you know? At what point is that? Do you think he like wanted to become a famous star so he could do all that kind of stuff, <laughs> or he's like, I'm a famous star, so now I can do all this stuff, right? You know what President Trump said: grab him, you know, because you're a star. <laughs> they don't care. Yeah, you can do what you want. Right. I mean, so is uh, Bill Cosby the Donald Trump of comedy? <laughs> <laughs> See, we've got Gene Simmons. <laughs> right, Gene Simmons is the Donald Trump of rock. I don't know. I, I, don't, I just don't want to give Gene that much credit for rock. 
Are you retracting your statement? <laughs> I could be retracting it, yeah. It's 3.33 here on this uh, Saturday afternoon as we hang out with you on the VoiceAmerica.com Variety Channel. Going global with Gas Man every Saturday. And then we we uh, 20, 12 hour replay, so in the middle of the night it'll air. And then I'll go tomorrow afternoon starting at 4, I believe. We'll be on the air on our Sunday replay. And then uh, you can catch the on-demand starting on Monday is when I'll release the show. We're getting a lot of listeners on this network. I know. It's awesome. Thanks for listening, It guys. really is. I, we do appreciate you guys taking the time and tuning in and checking out the show, what we're talking about. Uh, if there's anything out there that you want to want us to hit up on and maybe there's some news going on that should be talked about, I mean, I'm always down with that kind of stuff. You know, contact us with gas at gmail.com. That's my email with gas at gmail.com. There's two S's there. If you just want to say hi, I dig the show, whatever it is, that's cool too. Let us know where you're at around the world. We have a lot of people in Virginia listening, by the way. Interesting. Yeah, it kind of scares me. It's pretty close to the capital. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what, are you, what are you thinking? They're like plants. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> They're all around the uh, Pentagon, though. It's crazy. Huh? <laughs> What's going on here? Who's listening here? Uh, speaking of Virginia, though, they had the big uh, the shooting uh, this week of the con- the Congress I baseball know. practice. And my first initial action was, what the f- baseball practice? What's going on here? Right. Why so, are you guys doing baseball? It's some like congressional. What was it? it was like yeah, a- it was a charity event for the Boys and Girls Club, right? Fine. That's awesome. Great. Wonderful. Y- yay. Cool. They're raising money for it. A baseball game. Cool. It's one of those things you've got to do as a congressperson. But they were having practice, right? So, like, what are, really, what are you practicing for? It's a charity <laughs> game. It's a one-time deal. You're practicing. And then only that, that practice puts you out in a vulnerable position. Right. You're on a baseball field <laughs> you're in, a, in a random park somewhere. So you're keeping, you're leaving yourself open. And, you know, here comes this guy and shooting up the, a few of the guys, you know. And uh, it, it's, it's terrible that it has to go that way. And it's, it's awful that it would be someone who is a Bernie supporter or, you know, on the liberal left side that people would say is like, oh, look at that. They're worse than the right, you know. And, yeah. And, and it could be. And it could be very true. And the thing is, I think about is this guy, you know, when, when you are hearing everything in the news that, you know, your health care is going to kill people if you take it away from people, you know, and, you know you're only helping 1%. I mean, it, just, it, it just wears on a lot of people. And this guy snapped, obviously. And just said that we're, this is wrong. You guys are you guys are hurting people, yeah. and so it takes someone on the left side to wake them up on the right side, right? Which is weird. And Ted Nugent came out this week says, "I'm no, I'm gonna not say anything bad anymore." That's what he, <laughs> Ted Nugent he said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look it up. And Ted Nugent said he's like, oh, "I'm just you know realize all the things I've been saying. It just really uh, isn't really the best thing." And <laughs> is he afraid somebody's gonna come? Pop some in him or something? Well, isn't or? that weird? It's like you would think on the right side, the alt-right, they talk tough with their guns. They're always talking tough with their guns. Right. And here's someone on the left who uses a gun against them. And everyone on the right says, yo, slow down, dude. Uh, we don't mean really like use the guns, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how can you be surprised that something like that would happen? Yeah. Well, yeah. Hmm. It's a tough situation. What's really horrible about it is... Um, the guards that got injured you know like these people that were just doing their jobs like that girl that got killed and i know it's awful here's Ted news i'm not going to engage in hateful rhetoric rhetoric anymore now, of course we know what he said throughout obama's tendency you right know, it's ridiculous craziness but you know i mean to their credit nobody on the right did anything right. so i guess we're okay with that you know i mean i'd rather not have anything happen yeah. You know, if they're angry and that's how you want to spew spew out your hatred, then, you know, it's just hot air. It's all it is. 
Yeah. So, but it's funny. It's like you know, you read all these comments on 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 Facebook, and that's what I do. Uh, maybe it's the journalist in me. I'm just curious and see where people are writing, and you, know, you can you can tell that some people just aren't real people, or they're just getting paid to post these right. craziness, you know, and weird support of of non intellectual statements. Right. I guess you can say that doesn't help to anybody if you're going to be you know yelling obscenities at anybody to try to you know, uh, hurt them in any way. Well, it's not going to help us get ahead and figure out what can be done so everyone can come on to middle ground, you know? Right, right. Because right now we're just on the left side or we're on the complete right side. And, and, and there's, you know, 60, what is it? Uh, that's, there's 40% of Americans outside of that because those two, the right and the left, equal 60% roughly. So that 40% is in the middle going, hey, what about us? Right. You know, we're more than you, the Democrats, and we are more than you. Republicans, yeah. you know, so because Republicans and Democrats will never get together to, to be one. Yeah. So that 40% stands stronger than those other two parties right now. So what are we going to do about that, everybody? <laughs> well, we have other parties, but the thing is, you libertarians, your independents, your greens, whatever you have, they're also so fractioned. It's yeah. like those, you can't, these, that 40% needs to be committed together yeah you know join wi- forces right against the dark side <laughs> right the dark sides that's <laughs> how right. you right the dark sides so you know you have to have that 40 percent go drop a little bit of this for, for your your ideology and you know you drop a little bit of this for your ideology we'll all find a common ground a middle ground we could all get together and and kick these two parties outside yeah so i mean the third party is very essential to to our democracy it should happen it should happen. All right, so it's 3.40 right now here on this uh, afternoon called Saturday in Phoenix, <laughs> Arizona. And I have a song from the Hour- the Hourglass Cats. Be That Way is the tune. And I love these guys, and they have horns in the band, so any band that has horns on them, I'm, I'm digging. <laughs> so we'll be back after this here on the VoiceAmerica.com Variety Channel as you go global with gas. Man. Be That Way is the tune. The Hourglass Cats is the band. And going global with gas is the show here on VoiceAmerica.com Variety Channel. Saturday afternoons, 3 p.m. Pacific time. And, of course, always anytime you want on demand at the VoiceAmerica.com Variety Channel. Just search going global with gas. Man. <laughs> I was drinking. It's so hot. You were in the middle. I got you middle. Mid, mid, mid straw. You got to stay hydrated in the state of Arizona. Yeah. It's scary almost because, you know, we're going to reach, uh, I think, 120 on Tuesday, I believe it was. Yeah, dude. So I'm thinking, you know, hit the store, buy a bunch of water. You know, then you're also thinking, wow, everybody's going to have their AC on, and pretty soon these Transformers are going to pop. Yep. And it's it's like it's like a game of Russian roulette almost. Yeah. You know, of which Transformer is going to pop, which area of the of the city is going to go without power, and for how long would that be? And you know, you have to be prepared for it. It's one of those things. Living here in the, de- I think I've always found at least of living here in Phoenix in the desert and where it does get hot, is you learn to prepare. For that AC to blow out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you have to have that emergency backup. Well, and some uh, utility companies do planned rolling blackouts. Did you planned know Planned rolling yeah. blackouts? They turn it off. It's so it won't overheat? Mm-hmm. Really? Yep. I didn't know that. Yeah, they do that. So that's the scary part, too, because if they base it on, like, demographics of, like, who, what areas, there's, like, nobody at home during that time. Oh, I see. Right. Okay. So, but if you happen to be home, then you're like, oh, wow, yeah, this sucks really bad. They call them brownouts. A brownout. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, I never heard yeah. that before. 
And then with some businesses, they will, there's uh, one company in particular I won't name that if you got their specific um, thermostat, they take over control of it during certain hours of very hot days. So you can't... They control your thermostat? Yeah, so you can't like cool it to the point you need to cool it. Yeah, it's messed up, no, right? That, that is messed up. Yeah. That's why we all need to be off the grid. Yeah. There was a video somebody posted where this guy created his his actual, his own nuclear reactor at home. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it wasn't fusion, it was fission. Hmm. The, the difference was that it's not, you know, contaminatable. Well, and there's mm-hmm. like, um, I got these plans once, I have them still actually. This guy who created this, uh, you attach it to your thingamabob outside like your uh, what's it called your where your fuses are right fuse box yeah yeah and you can put like dead matter into it like plant matter i don't mean like you know kittens and birds and <laughs> stuff but like plant matter and it creates energy and cuts the usage of the grid huh yeah so, but I mean, why can't we just all put one of those in our house? So instead of like sending it off in our green recycle bin or dumpsters, right. just dump it in there. And now here you have that, not to mention solar. Well, what it saddens me is how come Arizona, especially Phoenix in general, isn't a, uh, a, a I don't know, a, a sampled city or something like that or right. a test city for solar and for yeah. weaning ourselves off electric grids and giving ourselves our own power. The future, that's what it is. Eventually, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of who wants to take the, the balls and go with it right off the bat. And that's against going against you know all our electric companies, and they don't want that. I mean, even if you have a solar panel on your house, they're still going to you know, say you owe us money. Yeah. <laughs> it's really bizarre. They it's do. like, how... Wh- and then it goes down to the whole question, we talk about this on Aliens a lot, is the fact that why are there so many evil people on this planet? Why do they want to keep doing this as opposed to trying right. to have all of us wean off because if, if they get off it they're not getting an electric bill anymore yeah you know we have we have the power I mean he man but you know <laughs> <laughs> we do we have it I, I think if I ever ran for president my especially if I ran for like in 2020 you know if I can get enough people <laughs> to back me up I'll do it but I'll run on a platform is uh, we can do better yeah. that's my platform we can do better yeah <laughs> gas for president 2020 we can do better I'm starting this <laughs> tonight yeah <laughs> I'm starting I, your campaign I did inhale, by the way. All right, just so you know. <laughs> Let's get that out of the table. I'm not hiding anything. Yeah. We could do better. Well, <laughs> too, with electricity, when it runs into your house, did you know that it just is constantly running around in a circuit? So you're paying for that to just run around even if you're not using anything. Right. And they make these other little things you can put on that basically it sends in the power and it recirculates that same current. Because energy is endless. We right. know that. I like, know. We've learned that in science class in seventh grade. It just starts and it doesn't stop. So why are we wasting so much? Right. It's just a line pocketbooks, man. Yep. Run the well dry. Boo. That's what they want to do. They want to run the well dry. Yeah. And then we'll figure it out when it happens. Well, and it's, you know, cost people all this extra money. They could be having a better quality of life not spending money on stuff you don't have to spend money on we don't need a better quality of life (laughs) we already have enough it's a sham man stop (laughs) complaining stop complaining when you get a $500 utility bill in Arizona I don't know why people defend 
Oh, you know, you know, they defend that. They defend that kind of that matrix. You know, we talked about that before. They defend the system that is because that's just what they're used to and they're right. afraid that they go outside of that then what's going to happen oh my god I'm, who's going right. to you know my credit score is going to go right <laughs> uh, that's all you're worried about is your credit score um, it's terrible just be thankful you're not the president because he had a, one of the worst weeks you can have as president I believe he's yeah. been uh, officially now under um, obstruction of justice investigation I saw that an official of investigation so that uh, throws a little uh, grease in the wheeler. Yeah, should be interesting to see the outcome of this. Is it grease in the wheel? <laughs> I don't think that's the right thing I said. Um, a wrench in the wheel. There, a wrench in the wheel. Yeah. Is that right? Is that how I say it? Because grease makes it go I better. Know. <laughs> I'm going to edit that out. Throw a coin in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just people keep doubling down on this guy, man. They keep finding more and more that's just more shady, you know, and. The, the, this uh, Mueller, Robert Mueller, is going to be uh, hiring already 13 lawyers already. He's hiring more lawyers. Uh, Trump's lawyer hired a lawyer. The <laughs> vice president, I'm not kidding, he did. The vice president hired a lawyer. Oh my God. I checked, it's not Lerner and Rowe. <laughs> it's way. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if you don't know who Lerner and Rowe is, they're in, uh, regional uh, attorneys and they are the, the way. The they way got you, their jingle, man. They got their jingle, right. It's the way to go. Uh, what am I going to do for you? But they have a slogan <laughs> right. in a wreck, need a check. That's their slogan. <laughs> so I said for Vice President Pence, who didn't get Lerner and Rowe, if he did, and their slogan would have been under suspicion, need commission. <laughs> That's what I'm talking it's about. It's like the real life of Breaking Bad, Saul, right? <laughs> like Better Call Saul. Right, right. It's, it's real life. Yeah, it That's is. Okay. It's everybody in this administration is getting looked at for their ties, and now we're going to look at the money laundering that's going on. And Man. they just said that he owes $313 million to outside lenders. What? Yeah, this just came through on the ethics, the White House Ethics Committee. Oh, my God. He owes $313 million to investors outside of the United States, which they say could lead to bribery. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that's something to look at right there. People are like, well, again, people are just whatever. They, they, they think this is a witch hunt. It's not. It's a dick hunt. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that's what it is. So people defend this. Well, that's just a businessman. A businessman is supposed to have some debt. You know, that's what they're supposed to right. that's people are defending this. They're 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 doing whatever they can to to sway that this is right. fake news and they're just parroting exactly what mm -hmm. the president says and yeah. and it's that there is that proportion of our society that is like that and and you know we we need to have them change their focus of their of their mind. We need to have them change what they're looking at yeah. and understand that they they're Well, it's just because, you know, the other president we had there, you know, trying to find all this stuff that just wasn't true that was fake news and right. then here now it's like backfired on them <laughs> right like, it totally it's, has it's just like the hand keeps smacking their faces and they can't it stop totally has these guys uh. this family they keep saying I, I think to me the more you try to denounce something the more you're guilty of it right I call it deflecting it's definitely it's, deflecting yeah. right It's yeah, but he constantly says you know even in the testimony where, where Comey was talking he said that Trump told him, and you know that whole, you know, the, the hookers and, you know, in Russia, the peeing thing, that wasn't real either. <laughs> it's like, well, why did you bring that up? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, the other time where I had, you know, when I was in Poland and that I had to pay that guy to, to shit on my chest that one time, <laughs> that didn't happen either. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, why are you volunteering stuff like that? And we're in, 
it seems like you're guilty. Right. It's just, uh, it, we know you're guilty. We can tell you're guilty. <laughs> Jeff Sessions spoke in front of the, the Senate uh, uh, hearing, and he looked fidgety in this chair. He, you could tell he was guilty. You could tell he was lying. You yeah. can tell the body language. You can tell by this, the, I mean, I'm sure this is a classic case for any kind of psychiatrist look at Right. So look at Trump go, this guy is lying out of his ass. Yeah. He's, he's trying to deflect, like you said, <laughs> but you're, you're kind of like, I did not have any relationship with them. I did not have anybody pee on me. And, and just, <laughs> the, the more you keep saying, no, that didn't happen, the more I'm going to say, yeah, I think it did happen. It's like, why don't you just prove it and show us your taxes and let, it, let us move on to the next level, you know? Right. <sighs> Done deal. All right. What else did I write down? Oh, the, they're looking into Kushner's uh, money laundering now with his building that he bought. The address, by the way, was six six six. That's the building he bought in New York. Hmm. The address six six six. Does and he have other things going on? I don't know, but he he probably he might be. But his dad was put into jail for for bad shadiness, and now here's Kushner following him right in the footsteps. Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on that we don't know yet, and people are jumping to the conclusion. There's nothing there. They're not showing anything. Well, they're still investigating. Yeah. It's going to pop out. My favorite thing, and I know they have to have tapes on this. They have to. They're the CIA. You're the FBI. This is 2017. Right. NSA. You're spying on everybody. Yeah. You're telling me Comey went to that house without a recorder? You're telling me that nobody was listening in on that conversation? <laughs> uh-uh. I'm not buying that. I don't think there's a space in that White House that isn't recordable. I don't think so. I mean, there has to not be. that. I mean, I just... It's the way it seems. Should watch that show, Scandal Man. <laughs> is it a TV show? It is. I don't watch TV shows. It's uh, <laughs> it, it has a lot. It's we. It's uncanny the relationship that show has to what's going on now. Like even like the previous episodes, right? But you know, it's white. There's a lot of stuff that happens in the White House, and it kind of shows. Is you it know. modern time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, you know, there's a play on Broadway. I think it's on Broadway. It's a Julius Caesar, and they're using Trump as Caesar. <laughs> I did not know that. And I just found out that <laughs> the, um, <laughs> I guess the play was interrupted by people who weren't too appreciative of, you know, the whole stabbing scene and everything, of course. It's not really appropriate to a certain degree. I mean, I can, you know, killing someone who's alive and in charge and, and making art out of that is, right. you know. I mean, it's weird because, you know, you have like in the Obama you know, eight years, it wasn't artists that were displaying, the, the displaying their anger and, and their effigies right. hanging and burning. It oh. wasn't the artist. It no. was every day Joe Schmo, wherever they were in America. Right. And here, on the other end, it's the artists who are making fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, and have that ability to do it, have that medium, have that, uh, that pedestal, that podium. Right. To reach a lot of people as opposed to the you know, the hillbillies who, yeah. you know, are, if they're lucky, their picture gets, you know, virused around the internet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think I'm done. All right. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I, I quickly will, I'll look through my Facebook page to see if I wrote anything down that I want to talk about. I don't think there is. Is it the Mike Pence thing? Oh, I'm saving my addictions for retirement, by the way. I saw that. <laughs> See, my Facebook page is my, my notepad sometimes. I'll just like, that's kind of funny. I like that. I'm going to write that down. Let's see how the Facebook people react. <laughs> if nobody reacts, I take it down. I totally take it down. I have no problems with taking down a shitty post. <laughs> I really don't. I want to leave it there for, <laughs> for your memories to pop back. Like, hey, remember that one time you posted this and right. <laughs> nobody responded? <laughs> <laughs> that's, isn't that, it is awful. To, you know, I mean, it does happen. It's just yeah. the way it is. All right, it might just so. be bad timing, too. You know? 
We posted during the time no one's looking at Facebook. Right. That's possible. <laughs> I'm just trying to make you feel better. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, I think we'll get some aliens going. You ready to roll? Yes. Okay, so we're going to say goodbye for this hour, and then we'll say goodbye to... Aliens. ...with gas. So thanks for tuning in to Going Global with Gas Man here on the VoiceAmerica.com Variety Channel. Earl Sisson, an author who wrote a book about UFOs, will be joining us in studio, so hang tight. Another hour to go. Man. in smoke That's where my money goes In my lungs And sometimes up my nose When troubled times begin to bother me I take a tote and all my cares go up in smoke. <laughs> up in smoke, donde todo es libre. There are no signs que dicen. Are you sure this is legal? I don't know. It's fun though, isn't it? The last time I caught an order like that was 11 years ago. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What if I told you I'd take you to a place you'd never been and do something to you that's never been done? You got to check it out. It'll boogie-woogie on your brain. Open your mind real wide now. Kind of grabs you by the boo-boo, don't I can hear my hair growing. I'm freaking out, man. You are freaking out, man. The News of the World, Wednesday, February 25th. Once again, Columbia's correspondents in world capitals and the fighting zones in the Western Pacific are ready to give you the latest news direct by shortwave radio. And now for news of our own West Coast, we take you to Los Angeles and the report of Byron Palmer. 
Anti-aircraft guns went into action against unidentified aircraft in the Los Angeles area shortly after 3 a.m. Pacific wartime this morning. The anti-aircraft guns began barking during a blackout ordered by the 4th Interceptor Command at 2.25 a.m. The unidentified object, which some sources thought might be a blimp, moved slowly down the Pacific coast from Santa Monica and disappeared south of Long Beach. Army officials declined to comment on the possibility that the object might have been a blimp. However, it required nearly 30 minutes to travel some 25 miles, far slower than an airplane. Watchers on the rooftop of the Columbia Broadcasting Building in the heart of Hollywood could plainly see the flashes of guns and searchlights sweeping the skies in a wide arc along the coastal area. Concussion of the shells could be felt in downtown Los Angeles, 15 miles away. U.S. Army planes quickly took to the dark skies, but whether they contacted the object has not been announced. Army officials say they will not comment until they receive a full report of the action. Aliens. With gas. Man. The Battle of Los Angeles, February 25th. Los Angeles. Yes, <laughs> from 1942. 2.25 a.m., by the way, if uh, you're keeping score, that's the uh, situation that happened out there. Can you imagine, mm-hmm. you know, all the bombs bo- blasting and feeling the concussions of those uh, over the city of Los Angeles? Right. Ugh. And CBS News reporting this as well. Yeah. So this uh, this thing in the air hanging up there for as long as it did, and I think it was uh, 30 minutes, it only moved 25 miles. Right. What's doing that? <laughs> Nothing at that time. Yeah, it's not a blimp. Like, right. oh, we're going to fire all this artillery at it. It's not going to go down. Right. Like, I don't even think we have something right now that could handle getting shot at that much right. and not go down. But even having the, the reaction that was portrayed that day right. you know just to load up every bullet you have and shoot it in the sky <laughs> they're coming right for us <laughs> well this was a few years well this is 1942 what was it not too not too long before this was uh, was if I maybe yeah, I could be wrong I'm not quite sure the the Japanese off the coast of California didn't they do something they I, we have Earl system with us by the way I, I'm looking for you for information on this <laughs> so I'm going off my own head here yeah. as far as the, the, the Japanese you know, I'm yeah, what's I, your what's your take on that? I, I do think the Japanese had a uh, a small incident which scared the heck out of uh, everybody in Los Angeles because I I think there were some fire shell or shells fired right um, something like an oil field or something like that or something like that. yeah it was pretty minimal uh, but it was interesting because actually the uh, aerospace company I worked for. Um, Quite a few years ago, uh, they moved their quarters from Los Angeles to Phoenix, probably partly in due to that. Uh, to that oh, really? Incident. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. That's very interesting. That's Earl Sisson, by the way. He wrote a book, Looking Into Another World, and we're going to be talking yeah. about that book here as well. And that's, that's why I kind of want to start the show off a little bit with that 1942 CBS News Bulletin, you know, yeah. which fascinates me because you know that was kind of a main topic of. Like, we didn't know what it was, so let's talk about it. And then all of a sudden, you know, maybe a, couple, a few decades later, it was like, nah, no more talking about that. Well, but you go back a little bit earlier, uh, CBS 1938, um, Halloween Eve. Right. And you've got Orson Welles and, you know, that that amazing... Uh, yeah, the world of the worlds, I mean, that yeah, killed I, people. I, yeah, <laughs> but, but the effect was, was so... Um, devastating to the authorities that you know they really realized just how spoofed people could be right That's do you think it was like a like a test 
that they like tested just to see how people would react? Well, I uh, I think Wells uh, probably to some extent was looking to further his own career, and he came up with a genius idea to do it. Right. Uh, I don't think that they had any real intention of taking it quite as far as it went because they actually got censured for it. Yeah, because you did me- you do mention uh, Wells a couple of times throughout uh, your book. Mm-hmm. which yeah. I did mostly read. <laughs> <laughs> I only started reading it like two days ago, so yeah, there's we'll, a lot of information We'll have a quiz later on it. But, uh. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, that's, well, we're going to get into the book. I want to get into it because you're from Ohio, and that's where the book kind of originated to a certain degree because of your um, your surroundings out there, which I totally want to get into. Because yeah. well, because you know, right, right, Patterson Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. As we're learning in the last, you know, at least for, since I've been doing this radio show, is kind of the the new Area Fifty One, or maybe it's the old Area Fifty One. Uh, it's, mean, it's the old Area Fifty One. Uh, right, Pat is theoretically where the uh, the bodies were taken from Roswell to Wright Pat, but at that time it was uh, Wright Field. It wasn't Wright Patterson. Okay. And, th- and this is where, like, flying began, right? Is that correct? Or? Well, it's the home of the Wright brothers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're pretty cool. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, where, where human flight began, maybe I should say. Right, right. And so, basically, uh, you know, in the book, I just you know, kind of talk a little bit about the fact that, you know, I, I grew up and right in the middle of all this stuff, and I didn't realize most of it, at least, until many years later. Right. But uh, I went to Ohio State. I had... Uh, Friends of friends worked at Battelle. Uh, Battelle was heavily involved in um, uh, Project Blue Book. Uh, it was the database and research for Project Blue Book, at least at the beginning of Blue Book. Hmm. And later it just kind of faded away, as did the real investigation of anything by Blue Book. Uh, well, you talk about, in the beginning of your book, you, you talk about this meeting of the minds. You know, before uh, the the bomb was built up, or maybe it's after the bomb, right? It was in the late. Uh, 40s. Yeah, yeah, that was the uh, 1950 meeting, or it was actually a luncheon at uh, Los Alamos, uh, and there were four of the world's most prominent physicists. Uh, one of which was Enrico Fermi, and during the lunch, Fermi turned to his other three table mates and said, "Where are they?" And everybody else at the table, because of some of the things they were discussing, immediately understood he was asking, where are the aliens? Right. And, and Fermi did a quick calculation on the back of an envelope type thing and said, as many planets, many stars, as old as, as the universe appears to be, at least back in 1950, you know, we should have seen lots of evidence of aliens. There right. should be, you know structures here on earth or on other planets there should be you know something you know visible easily visible and there's nothing visible and why is that okay but that's you know back then i mean obviously they didn't have google <laughs> so they weren't able to see the pyramids on antarctica if you if you believe those are pyramids down there but you know here this is just a, a hypothetical situation for them think where are they where, where could they be I would imagine they would have been a little bit more aware of that they were already here, possibly, just considering of what we've already seen as our own humanity as maybe some evidence of UFOs. But but there really isn't anything. I mean, these guys are hardcore scientists, and scientists, you know, you, you got to 
you got to present hardcore evidence. Right. You know, okay. You, so you, you don't think a cave drawing is enough no, evidence? No. 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 no that's you all. Need. That's all circumstantial. If, you know, if you go back to uh, Carl Sagan years ago uh, when they were talking about UFOs, one of the things Sagan said was extraordinary claims requires extraordinary evidence. Hmm. And back then, uh, their idea was, you know, hey, you know, we need to have bodies, we need to have crashed vehicles, you know. If you got that stuff, then, yeah, you got real evidence. Right. If you don't have it, you don't really have evidence. But even this is a few years after Roswell, and these guys are chatting it up, and not too far from the actual place where it happened, I can't imagine them not being told or being aware that this was legit and there actually is a spacecraft and dead aliens. Um, well, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. <laughs> was this your, when you were researching this book, was this some of the things you came across or maybe didn't come across? Well, basically, in, in my estimation, something happened to Roswell that had very little, if anything, to do with aliens. Uh, I think it probably had more to do with something embarrassing either with the U.S. government or another uh, national government of, of some sort. Didn't have anything to do with aliens. So. What are you saying? You're saying that some other kind of technology was that crashed out there, or? Well, it probably something happened that would have been embarrassing if it really got out. Um, and, and you know, maybe it was a mogul balloon. Maybe it was something else. You know, maybe we'll never really know really what it was. But you have to, you know, you go back and you look at the context of Roswell. Roswell happened about two weeks after Kenneth Arnold saw the nine somethings fleeing past uh, Mount Rainier. Uh, so the idea of aliens and UFOs really wasn't much in anybody's thoughts at that point. Most of the people were a lot more concerned about the Soviet Union right? because they were terrified uh, of falling behind. This was just you know, a few years after World War II. Uh, the U.S. had had Operation Paperclip, where we grabbed a bunch of Germans and brought them over here, and, and you know, began to expand their technology. The Russians did the same, and the, the really upsetting thing at that time was perhaps these initial sightings of these unidentified flying objects is some advanced Russian technology based on. German scientists that we know nothing about, and if it's the case, then it is so advanced that we're in deep doo-doo at that point. So, hmm. so all right, but getting that kind of technology and that kind of you know ways to you know to do really cool things, you think that's human engineering, or is that engineering from? Another planet. I mean, you know, I mean, well, uh, where did uh, we come uh, from? This? <laughs> well, at that time, I mean, it wasn't. Uh, you're not talking about. You're not talking about the stuff we're talking about now. You're just talking about a major leap in technology as far as um, aircraft speeds, aircraft performance. Uh, remember, this was just when jets were just starting to get started a little bit. So we were still kind of one foot in the piston age, one foot in the jet age. Uh, and all of a sudden you had these objects which seemed to be just totally outperforming anything in the U.S. inventory, and that scared the heck out of the U.S., especially the military, and especially, at that time, the Army Air Force. Mm. So, um, plus the fact is, if you look, let's go back to Roswell for a second, okay. So, two weeks after this initial Kenneth Arnold sighting, Roswell happens. 
Um, first question I would ask is, what does a crash flying saucer look like? Hmm. I, I have no idea. Right. I don't think anybody else did either. So for them to say, yep, we got a crash flying saucer was pretty good misdirection on somebody's part. Because they weren't really too concerned about the idea of, oh, geez, we shouldn't say flying saucer. They were a lot more concerned if they would have said something about the Soviet Union. Oh, Mm. I see what you mean. Yeah. Or unless it's just the them actually covering it up because they don't want people to know about extraterrestrials. Well, again, um, extraterrestrials, the whole idea of extraterrestrials was at least months, if not a few years down the road. Uh, This whole initial time was a time of paranoia in the Cold War. Right. And um, extraterrestrials were taking a really far backseat in this whole thing. They weren't weren't even a topic, really, conversation. Um, So I, I think something happened at Roswell, but I certainly don't think that it really amounted to anything as far as aliens go hmm. but uh, it's it's interesting there was just a thing on NPR here a couple of days ago and um, there were five or six women that were uh, incarcerated several years ago because of a crime they committed they thought they committed and it turned out that through DNA they found out they were innocent but several of those women have had so much intense, I don't know if I should say brainwashing, but just repeated information thrown at them that they still think they're, they're guilty. Oh, mm. uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, if, if you have people telling you all the time that this happened and you saw it and this, you know, then Uncle Fred, you know, was part of it, you know, after a while, it's like, yep, that's it. You know, you're right. right. Interesting. The yeah. Earl system with us looking into another world is the book you wrote, and it came out last year. Yeah, I, I self-published. I put it on uh, Amazon Kindle. Um, it it's something that I wanted to to put together a book, and the reason I wanted to to do something was I was getting frustrated because I thought the whole topic has kind of been hijacked off into a left field somewhere. Hmm. Um, yeah, I. In the book, I kind of go back to the basics. I go back to the original sightings. I go back to the original events, and I try to put together a chronology which says there's a logical reason why we are where we are in this whole thing. You know, even though it may be kind of weird where we are, uh, there's <laughs> <laughs> there's reasons why we've ended up here, and they're and they're very legitimate and and real reasons. Uh, and some are mistakes and. Um, some were just uh, so let's, we'll talk about the how long has it been for you to put this book together how long did it take oh I probably worked on it at least 15 years maybe a little bit more wow um, alright so it's a, it was a long process I'm sure overturning new new leaves every day and you know well and sometimes uh, in, in looking at this subject I'm sure you've you've been familiar enough with it at this point already to realize that 
sometimes what looks like real information turns out to be disinformation. Right. Absolutely. And then sometimes you have to back up and kind of say, okay, I'm going to take a different track and see if this is, you know. Right. So if you're going down the road on one story and all of a sudden you've turned a corner, this is all bogus. Like, ah. Yeah. Or that there was something else going on. They were just trying to get you to look at this instead of. Yeah. And and a lot of it is uh, good intentions. You know, people get excited and they put information down and then you back up and you look at it carefully and it's like, uh, not quite. You know, you were close, but you know, no cigar. Well, the, I find the conversation of UFOs. I mean, it's so open. You know, because no one really has proof. To be honest, I mean, we all are going off our own experiences. So, which kind of keeps it open to really writing anything you want to write, doesn't it? Well, it can get real vague, doesn't it? There's a real vagueness to it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, when you start working in this topic, you always feel like you know, any moment you can trip and you fall down a rabbit hole, you know, and right. you know, then where are you? Um, but at the same time, again, if you go back and you look at some of the, uh, I'm not sure if I would say classic cases, but some of the very um, well documented uh, cases, uh, there is information there if you dig deep enough that will stop you in your tracks and say, "Okay, I don't really have any good explanation for this. I can't, I can't rationalize this any other way than to say something happened which was totally out of the ordinary." Um, and if if you look at the book or if you read the book, one of the first things um, that really stopped the U.S. military in its tracks was an event that happened July 8th at uh, Muroc. Uh, Muroc is now Edwards Air Force Base, okay. Um, there was a series of individuals. These were base personnel walking out of buildings, walking across tarmac. Some were pilots sitting in uh, test aircraft waiting to, to take off. Probably 10 to 15 or more people observed uh, over a period of hours numerous objects, uh, and the best observation of all was there was a test going on at one of the remote sites at Muroc, and there was an actual observation truck with five people in it. So this was a U.S. Army Air Force truck sitting there with observers because they were going to be observing, so you had the, the <laughs> most highly qualified people you could have, and there was a formation of three aircraft. They were going to do a seat ejection experiment. The, the uh, aircraft were flying at about 20,000 feet. So obviously the people in the truck had binoculars. Um, they're looking up, they're waiting for the, the um, test to start, and all of a sudden they see something falling out of the sky and everybody starts looking at it. And within a few seconds they realize, whoops, wait a minute, this isn't the, uh, the ejection seat experiment, this is something else. So it turns out that of the five observers in the truck, four watched this object for 90 seconds. Um, they watched it until they lost sight of it when it got below the mountaintops. They had it uh, in clear sight. They were able to observe what they called fins or knobs on the top surface. They said oscillating or rotating slowly. Hmm. Um, I mean, they're there to observe. These are highly qualified observers. Right. You can't discredit these guys. No, right. That's and what they were there for. Well, when we talk about that, the one out in England and the Air Force Base, it, where you can't discredit all these army men who saw this because 
well, first of all, that means you're hiring a bunch of crazy people, or <laughs> right, <laughs> or you just don't believe what they're saying. Yeah, you know? these, these are the people that play with the nukes. So right, you want to you want, believe, them, yeah, yeah, right. you, you want them to. If a hundred of you guys, <laughs> yeah, came up and tell me this happened, I'm going to believe a hundred of you guys. Yeah. Right. So, so one of the interesting aspects to that initial sighting was, in fact, that sighting was the same day that the Roswell story was released to the press. Oh, really? Hmm. Interesting. And um, if you read uh, Edward Rupert book, and if, if you want to read something absolutely fascinating, uh, Edward Ruppelt, who was the first head of Project Blue Book, uh, wrote a book in '56 called uh, "Unidentified Unidentified Flying Objects." Um, he was the guy who was on the scene. He was the one in the middle of the action. He wrote it, and it's absolutely amazing. But uh, yeah. It, it's it's difficult to um, well let, let's go back to Muroc for a second. The people in the truck, along with numerous people, the, some of the people in the aircraft, some of the people on the ground, the administration people, and everything else. The reason that the sighting is even known is because all those people deposed themselves in affidavits in Kern County, California. There was no military inquiry at that point. Mm. They actually went to a notary and said, I want to write this down and I want to have it notarized. Really? So it affected them to the point that they had to. Yeah, they do wanted that. something as official as they could get saying that they actually saw something they couldn't identify. The other thing for me that Miroc really sets up is when I talk to people who have some degree of knowledge about UFOs, a lot of them will say, hey, it's our own technology. This is something the U.S. has. It's some black project that's parked at Area 51. Right. I'm sure some of it is. It some, has to be. Some may be, and there are there is some truth to that. But this was in 1947. Right. We didn't have anything parked in Area 51 in 1947. Right. There wasn't Area 51. Crazy. So, <laughs> so what does that mean, that there are... Was something going on, do you think? Oh, I mean, as far as an alien? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, again, if you, if you sit down, you go through the stuff, you really dig through it, you really look at it carefully, um, you come to the, the ultimate conclusion that, yes, we are being visited. Yeah. yeah I think so. Ooh, I've dug through all kinds of stuff. Yeah. They're, they're, I what's their conclusion of that? No, we're not, and that's it. We're just uh, this is it. I mean, people just accept that for what it is. I mean, you, you seem to have this open mind about it since you were a kid. At least you were aware of the science fictions and the and the movies you've seen as a kid. So oh, sure, yeah, it was yeah. always there. It was prevalent on everyone's top of mind. Sci-fi was huge in the late fifties and the sixties. So. You know, you had to have thought about aliens all the time. It was oh, always yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, like, say, my, you know, my favorite book was The Day of the Earth, or the movie was The Day of the Earth Stood Still. Yeah, yeah. I was, you know, I had, you know, Klaatu Barada Nikto down. <laughs> you know, so in case Gort showed up, I'd be able to <laughs> slow him down. Right, so you knew, and you were always prepared for an alien invasion at that time, right? Yeah, and, and now... That was uh, a legit fear, wasn't it? 
Oh yeah, yeah. right. I well, mean, that and the bomb from from Russia. Uh, yeah, I mean. I mean, you had all these these spheres. Yeah, yeah. I had polio was in there too. That right. Was, okay. That was another fun one to play with. Right. So um, there's always the, what I'm saying is always a fear that we all have to be living under. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, back when I was a kid, there were people digging, you know, fallout shelters. And, right. You know, so right. And, and that, again, that wasn't normal top of a, of a conversation that the end of the world could happen any moment now. Well, yeah. And it's in fact, it now. Yeah. And in retrospect, you know, now we know that in at least a couple of instances it came pretty doggone close closer than we ever realized right. yeah and I, I yeah, we have uh, a couple stories about how close we came to it don't we yeah. a few few times that we have yeah. well it's Earl Sisson again hanging out with us here our special guest on the uh, extraterrestrial rock show aliens with gas looking into another world is his book we'll get more into the book as well we'll play some songs and uh, we'll come back and we'll Hear more from Earl here on the show. So stay tuned with us here on thevoiceamerica.com variety channel every Saturday at 4 p.m. Pacific time. We are live on the radio on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. on 99.1 FM in the East Valley and 93.9 FM in the West Valley of Phoenix, Arizona. Then you can also tune in on the TuneIn Radio app. Yes. And then Monday you can listen to all the podcasts, everything you listen to on all of our shows at soundcloud.com slash gas, or if you have your other ways of obtaining podcasts you can go to Google Play iTunes Stitcher Burberry <laughs> what is it Blueberry it's, it's Blueberry yeah, it's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y <laughs> whatever Kevin signed us up for all these ones I know I don't there's know. like seven or eight of them yeah uh, Stitcher yeah <laughs> um, yeah all that's fun stuff so take a listen to those shows when you can in the meantime Shift Happens is the tune from Captain Squeegee <laughs> he's our friend he's local from right here in Phoenix Arizona Danny so we'll, Torgerson we'll jam this troublemaker right back right here on Aliens with gas man Matu Rada Nikto Matu there you go. <laughs> the day the earth stood still. <laughs> that was for you, Earl. I, I figured you'd dig that one there. <laughs> so that was the mantra yeah, <laughs> you walked around with. So when you saw the new, not to change the subject or whatever, but when you saw the new, the day the earth stood still, because I'm a fan of all of the older originals. Like mm-hmm. I always like, wholeheartedly go on their side so then I'll watch the new ones and I'm usually like a little jaded because I'm like why are you trying to redo something that doesn't need to be redone right exactly um but how did you feel when you saw it? Because I'm sure you saw the new version, or did you? No, well, I saw the new version. Uh, I liked the original. Right? Yeah, me too. <laughs> it was much more to the imagination back then. You know, you, you, there weren't a whole lot of uh, experiences and and special graphics. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of it's like like Hitchcock. Hitchcock would you know suspenseful. Let, well, but he'd let your mind you know go right. wherever it wanted right. to go, which was always more elaborate than anything anybody right. could come up with. Right, right. That's the, yeah. Back in the day, that's the way it was. They had to use that because they were limited on their technical or the special effects. Yeah, but I think they ought to go back to that to some degree. (laughs) Well, Well, and to promote free thinking, like it promotes that, you know, thing in humans, I think we're losing a lot of right now. Like a storyline in a movie? Well, just to be like, you know, you start thinking about stuff, whereas like now you're just like, oh, they give you all of the information and this is just how it is. 
Does that make sense? It doesn't make sense. Well, no, it does. I know what you mean. <laughs> but I think when, you, when you're looking at movies, when you're, you're more, uh, I guess you're taken away by the special effects than you are the storyline. Right. right. That's where you're, you're, you're not having any thinking, doing any, you're not doing anything yeah, the, for yourself. Yeah, the, uh, the effects get in the way of the story. Right, right. And when they override them, then it's like, you're, right, go back, let's go back. You know, mm-hmm. I, we don't need the special effects, you know. <laughs> some of the scariest movies out there, Communion, or, I mean, I know there's some special effects to it, but for it's very limited. It's it's not overboard, and same with the fifth kind. Yeah, it's very the fourth kind. Or the fourth kind, excuse me, um, expe- and the fourth kind. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm saying is, like, it's you, when you use that suspense and, and the mystery behind it, that adds a lot more to it. And that's when you, you know, the yeah. more the more of that, the more the covers cover your eyes when you're watching these movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then the more the lights come on. The too. fourth kind <laughs> got me. Did you see that one? No, I haven't, I haven't seen uh, it. Oh, yeah, you should watch it. It's a really intense uh, abduction story. Oh, okay. So it's Mil- like Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind as opposed to the first, second, and third. Right, and it's yeah. out in Alaska, I believe. Is that where it yeah, was? Yeah, and it's um, based on documented events, which is what's really freaky about it. Right. And they like split the screen sometimes, and they'll show while they're telling the story in the Hollywood world, they'll show the original footage. So it's almost like a docudrama. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, pretty intense, man. Yeah. It's yeah. a weird one. Yeah. Is, Don't is watch it at night. That's my <laughs> only suggestion. <laughs> you, lo- Looking Into Another World is your book. It dropped last year. Um, you said 15 years to put it together. What was your final say? Say, I'm done. We're here. This is it. I'm not researching anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied with what I have. <sighs> well, <clears throat> excuse me. One of the things I was trying to investigate was the why. Uh, why why do th- are we seeing things happen the way they happen? You know, why is this whole phenomenon kind of a now you see me, now you don't type of deal? Why isn't there any direct contact? Why haven't they landed on, on the uh, right. you know the back lawn or the the White House or anything else, you know? Why after, you know, we know at least seven decades now and there's a lot of information that says it's probably centuries and possibly millennia that, that we've been observed. What could account for this? Why would why would an alien race do this? Why would they uh, approach us or not approach us in this manner? You know, what, keep us afar. Yeah, and yeah, you know, uh, and again, if if you know, we talk about the the Fermi paradox to begin with. But then in 1980, there was an adjunct to it called the Great Filter, okay? Um, And then in 1996, uh, another gentleman kind of um, tweaked that. Basically, it says that any advanced civilization is going to run up against this Great Filter, which will cause the civilization to cease to exist, Okay. Right, um, and so you begin to wonder, okay, what what could possibly account for this? What's what's a great filter? Uh, let me let me back up a little bit for a second. <clears throat> um, I'm sure you heard of the Kepler spacecraft. Yes, of course. Okay, Kepler went out. Kepler looked for stars and planets around stars, everything else. A lot of data came back, and a couple of years ago they said. There's probably at least 100,000 advanced civilizations just within our Milky Way galaxy. Yes. Okay. So there's a lot of others out there. Um, and the universe is 13.8 billion years old. 
Earth is 4.5. That's a lot of time in between for a lot of other stuff to happen. So we're sure. like the, the new kids on the block. Okay, uh, we're just now beginning to be able to look out a few thousand light years and see possibly planets around stars or at least begin to see that there are planets around stars. We still can't really visualize them, but we're, we're trying to see and, and we got a good idea that there's a bunch out there. So this whole idea of life being ubiquitous throughout not only the galaxy, but the universe is becoming better and better and better all the time. It's becoming more accepted. It's becoming pretty universal. So if I have all these civilizations out there and I still don't see anything, then that's kind of where the great filter comes in. says all these things popped up and they went away. And in the book, I talk about um, being in like a, a dark, quiet glade in the Midwest someplace and you're surrounded by 100,000 fireflies. Okay, so that's, each firefly represents maybe a civilization in our galaxy. But they don't all flash at the same time. Maybe a handful flash and you're looking at this on a geologic scale. So this is hundreds of thousands of years or maybe a few million years based on our own sense of evolution and where we got to where we are. So the filter says that at some point, every one of those civilizations ran into something that caused it to destruct. Okay. Yeah. So now the question is, what could that be? And there's, there's going to be some natural things and some artificial things. You're going to have gamma ray burst from the nearby star that's going to saturate you know, an area and kill everything. Uh, you're going to have super volcanoes that really mess up your day. Um, you're going to have, you know, like we're displaying very eloquent, eloquently, uh, you know, nuclear war possibly, or maybe a biological accident. Ton of stuff that could happen. Just there's almost limitless ways that we can do ourselves in. But if you step back and you look at the mechanisms and basis that we got to where we are today. So we have a great brain, uh, we're very clever, we're very uh, intuitive, we can think things out, we can manipulate things. We have all these great attributes that allowed us to get to where we are today and manipulate the environment. One of the things that is in that mix, which isn't really good or not very good, is aggression. And uh, in, in the book, basically, I take the point that uh, aggression is something that as the pressure increases on a society or a civilization or a species, uh, that may be one of the triggers that will allow the great filter to happen. Hmm. It's our own undoing, is our own ego and our own... Yeah, well, I mean, if you look right now, you know, you can you can see what's happening with water. Water's becoming, you know, ever more precious and, and tougher. And we're gonna, you know, we're gonna get into fights here in California and Arizona over allocations of Colorado. You know, despite this last year where we had a lot of water, um, resources across the world. We have we're coming up on eight billion human beings on this planet. Um, by some estimates, they say we'll have nine by 2050. Uh, it's resource war. 
yeah, we, could be coming. Yeah, you know, we've we've turned this planet into a very expensive, very fine Swiss watch that all the pieces have to work exactly right for everything to work right. And if anything gets out of whack, look out, okay? Um, but there is enough for everyone on this planet. And there is, if you do it the right way. For sure. Right, exactly. I mean, our atmosphere is, is loaded with water. It's loaded with energy. We just tap into that. I mean, there's. I've seen, maybe it's, maybe it's BS, I don't know. Maybe it's real or maybe it's make-believe, but... <laughs> I saw billboards that produce water. I don't know if you've seen this story or not, but it takes it straight out of the air and just creates water out of it. Sure, yeah. I mean, we have that technology to do that. Right. I mean, they, but our reluctance to go through with it is what's hurting us at this point. Well, not only that, but again, let, let's back up again. You know, I'd, I'd put that in the Swiss watch category. You know, that's a very precise, fine, you know, that's not the cloud comes over and, and you know, Mother Nature drops rain on you. This is, right. you figure out another way to do it. Right. Um, one of the things that I, I get a kick out of is where we have all these schools of sustainability, okay? Right. And to me, the, the world word sustainability, I, I envision this mountain climber hanging off a cliff by his fingernails, you know, and he's sustaining, okay? You know, he's there, and he hasn't fallen, okay, right. so he's sustaining. Treading water. I think what we have lost is the idea of robustness. You know, robust systems are able to withstand a lot of variation, a lot of, a lot of stuff happens, okay? okay? Because there's an abundance of it, is what you're saying. Well, because you're not pushing it to the limits. You're not. Right. You're not okay. putting it in that critical thing to where if something does happen, all of a sudden things start falling apart. Right. Think, think about. We know that global global warming is happening. We know that we're beginning to see rises in sea levels. We know that New York, Miami, uh, New Orleans, you name it. Uh, the, few decades they're going to be faced with problems they're going to put in levees they're going to have to do all these things they're going to have to pour massive amounts of funding to keep them literally above water um, same thing for Bangladesh same thing for these right, other countries don't you think we're we are a society that runs the well dry until until we figure out that's why with these resources we're talking about is we're running them out until we have to figure out another way to do it Right. right. But, uh, and what I'm saying is, as you start doing this, then you start, uh, you're going to be using all these resources up to their, their limits. Right. Okay. And then how do you cope with the Bangladesh? How do you cope, you know, right. who's, who's going to feed them? Where's it going to come from? Um, you know, how, how do you cope if you don't put some controls on... And you think that that's maybe what happened to other societies and other solar systems, and that's why we haven't been able to get that ultimate proof? Uh, well, I, I'm saying that the great filter, um, I think, is, is a viable um, reason why we don't see a lot of stuff out there. But at the same time, we do see UFOs. Right. So what, what does that tell us? It says that out of all those civilizations, there may be a precious handful, a few, that have gotten to the other side of the that filter. That made it. That made it to the other side of the filter. Okay. So think for a minute. If you make it to the other side of the filter, okay, now you've, you've, You've dealt with aggression. You've dealt with overpopulation. You've dealt with resources or limited limited resources. 
you've seen how close you, you've come to the edge, and you probably came to the edge to be right. able to, to deal with it. So you're probably a pretty well-balanced being. And you <laughs> sure as heck don't want to go the other side again. Right. Okay, right. I, I made it here. I don't want to slip back. Okay, so now I've got the ability to expand. I have knowledge. I can explore. And guess what I run into? I run into humans, humans, <laughs> and other humans, and lots of things like humans. Right. Okay, so how how do I approach them? Do I right because they they would know we'll be hostile to them, or at least right. not very welcoming to them. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, well yeah. So is that part of the Fermi's paradox? Isn't it of like if they are here, how could they have visited? So that means right. they aren't here. Right. It's exactly. like well, it they could are, just be that they're just smart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, they, there's there's so many planets out there. I mean, at what level of existence are they? You know, I mean, like, should we be looking for planets where they're still at the rock throwing stages? You know, are there planets that are at the rock throwing stages? You know, and how many planets are out there that are like you said flying around the universe <laughs> which yeah. might not be very many and, and uh, I'm sure there probably aren't very many but uh, you know if, if again if you look at considering the overall yeah yeah so what you, prompted you to write the book like did it were you just like did it did you start out thinking like I'm gonna write a book or were you just all of a sudden noticed you had a whole bunch of notes on your computer about all this stuff <laughs> and <laughs> smashed so it together oh uh, it's it's Probably a little bit of both. It's it's an accumulation of information. You know, you you um, you acquire this stuff, and a lot of what I did is I did research on the National UFO Reporting Center website. Right. Um, if you've never gone there, you should go there because it is an amazing resource. It's massive. Very massive, mm -hmm. uh, but it takes a long time to be able to dig through that stuff it because does. there's so much information. And again, um, one of the things I, I wanted to do with the book was to educate, and I find it, I guess, disturbing that so many people are fairly well uneducated about a lot of things to do not just with UFOs right. but with, <laughs> with anything right with yeah. anything I mean that's yeah, the dumbing down of, of the population you know yeah. the fluoride in the water if you want to go there right. <laughs> you know a lot of the stuff that we're just not uh, we could totally rabbit hole this conversation <laughs> man well yeah just you know the, the limitations of what we're being told is is not cool you know we're not being told the full truth of anything really it's more or less just keep shopping and don't worry about anything and and but, but like I said before, as this whole show started, it was that the conversation of UFOs was in mainstream media. It was on the news. When sightings happened, it was reported. Nowadays, I mean, even the, the, the Phoenix Lights that happened in 1997 took months after to report. Right. right. So there is, where, where do you think, as far as, you know, being, being around since the beginning of when it started was hot and a hot topic, to when it started fi fading away or fizzling out, w what point do you recognize that to be as far as our timeline of a, of a society from the 50s to today? Where was that maybe a downfall oh, of re think, reporting it? Yeah, I think somewhere in the 70s. 70s. <laughs> Things started falling apart, and there's probably a bunch of reasons for that. I mean, yeah, we, we had a really nasty war called Vietnam and other things like that. And, uh, mm. yeah, it, it, the flying saucers weren't as important, what you're saying, in a yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if you're dealing with uh, 
of Vietnam, you know, the idea of flying saucers was kind of shoved to the side. Right. Know, even though there were actually a lot of flying saucer reports came out of Vietnam. But do you think if the conversation was continuing, as we are trying to, and other shows are, and it's not in the mainstream yet, it's still even, it even reversed into, or reverted, if you want to say, back into the, you're crazy, you saw a UFO, where back in the day, it's like, oh, you saw a UFO, you know? I mean, to a certain degree, it was. I know it was also laughed upon, too. Right. But at least it was reported back in the day. You well, know? Well, back in the day, it was Saturday Evening Post, Life and Look. They all ran big stories about it. And, I mean, nobody laughed at those stories. Right. Okay. Right. I mean, those are legit, you know, magazines and right. re- credible reporting. And this is, oh, my God, if Life Magazine is doing this, this must be li- real stuff. Right. So my, I guess my point being is that if the conversation was continuing and everyone was, you know, was always top of mind, do you think we'd be more advanced where, than where we are now? As far as everybody in that same, has the same mind frame of knowing that aliens exist and knowing that, do you think that could actually produce the aliens themselves as opposed to us not thinking about it? When you say produce, what do you mean? I mean having them show themselves. I don't. I don't think that they would show themselves <laughs> for that. <laughs> if the whole the whole world was in a mindset, the same mind frame of, of UFOs I, and aliens. I, I think we would have to. I think for that to ever happen, we would have to prove ourselves as far as the great filter goes. Right. We'd have to prove ourselves as a species that we're not going to exterminate ourselves, that we can control ourselves, that we can act like a grown up species. Well, and that's yeah. right. That's another uh, theory they say why aliens haven't visited us because we're not there yet and they're trying to help us get there and but but at the same time if they were and and let's go back to the uh, the great filter the paradox for a second uh, there's a bunch of different reasons or, or maybes behind this and one of them is something called the zoo hypothesis okay and the zoo hypothesis says that we're in a zoo they're keeping us locked up they're not they're not showing themselves because they don't want to affect our evolution okay okay kind of like the prime directive on star trek if you remember that yeah she'll okay. know or no. time travel or <laughs> okay <laughs> but, any of those but, things so it's like hands off but that <laughs> kind of flies in the face of the fact that how many sightings do we have where you know giant lights from the ship uh you know they they show themselves but they don't show themselves right, right. so what is that what's their point why what's, are they doing that wh- why are they doing right. it? what's the point so uh, maybe the point is and again you know my assumption is if i can't make direct contact with you maybe if i make you curious enough you will think about the fact that there are others out there and right. if, if you put two and two together and you say, okay, I may be facing this great filter down the road, but somebody made it past. I can see evidence. Right. This, this thing, you know, this triangle in the sky with the light show is proof that you are able to make it past the great filter. They did something right. Maybe I can. Right. Wow. It's a giant universal cog, man. Right. It's it's very fascinating to think about. I, I you know you think about. I want to go back a little bit to the to the planets you mentioned about as far as being inhabitable. I mean, 
in general, with all the life that is out there, don't you think all planets could be inhabitable? Do you need a sun to be around to to survive? Uh, science, dude. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, well, we, don't, we don't know that. We don't know about dead planets or planets that are away from the sun. Well, I guess happening. they could be underground or. Well, I mean, yeah, I if, if you look, at, energy at like, is real, though. Yeah, right. looking at like the the moons of Saturn and Jupiter because the tidal forces they think are creating liquid water there, and there might be organisms living. Right. But if you if you step back a little bit and say, okay, yeah, there could be a lot of life out there, but we're looking for intelligent life, life able to manipulate, to create things, right. to, to yeah, so communicate with. Well, yeah, but you, you got to have things like hands. You got to you know, you got to have some things. You got to live in in an environment where it's not wet. It's kind of tough right. to do electronics when it's wet. Right, right. You don't want to meet like a <clears throat> six foot tall amoeba. Like, okay, yeah, how's it going, buddy? So, but, uh, nice. but in addition to that, they also now uh, have found a lot of planets around. Um, red dwarfs and there are far more red dwarfs than anything else out there hmm. and in fact the closest star to us is a red dwarf right okay interesting what do you think about mercury and venus uh, i mean we always look for mars really, or outside really toasty. <laughs> well is it i mean that's what yeah. we're told i yeah. mean you know oh, I mean, yeah. do you think life can exist on those planets not now but the question is did it right uh, same thing for Mars. You know, we we very well may be Martians. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I almost. Yeah. I, that's one of the hypotheses that I believe in. <laughs> <laughs> one of them. One of them. I mean, right. there's a few of them out there that yeah. I, I could but, say are very plausible. But if you back up and you look, uh, everything is everywhere. You know, if I went right. a billion light years in any direction, I could land on a planet and I could find. Carbon, oxygen, right. calcium, sure. the same stuff is everywhere. Right. It's the same if you go from L.A. to New York, you're still <laughs> going to see a Blimpies or a, or a Sonic Burger. Yep. <laughs> so it, it's all out there. All the pieces are out there. Uh, you know, there's this, uh, this concept called panspermia, which says life is everywhere. Okay. Maybe it doesn't reach intelligent levels, but it's everywhere. Hmm. What about underneath the Earth? Do you believe in a hollow Earth? Do you believe there are aliens at the base of the Antarctica? No, I took too much geology in college. <laughs> <laughs> How much do we know about Antarctica, though? We don't know. We're not taking trips and vacations down there. They're not going to let us fly over there. Uh, well, we know that it's on the precipice of starting to shed massive icebergs. And, right. Uh, you think that'll expose anything? They, I mean, expose no, the pyramids I, on I the I think on it's going to expose a higher sea level pretty quickly. Hmm. Well, not well quickly. I'm not sure how right. how fast. I don't think there's. I don't think there's an Atlantis or anything else underneath there. I'd be surprised. Since we're on this topic, what about Sasquatches? Do you believe in them? <laughs> um, nah, I kind of have a hard time with Sasquatch. Okay. Hmm. Anything else? Um, <laughs> I'm looking at Heidi right now. <laughs> you want to throw, we have a few minutes left before we wrap up the show. And, you know, I, I really appreciate you, Earl, coming in, Earl Sisson, uh, talking about his book. And which, uh, what, what, where can you find it again online? It's, it's on Amazon. Amazon, and that's the mm -hmm. best way to get it? Mm -hmm. Okay. Looking into another world. Is there anything on the book that we, we want to hit on before we... Uh well, just that, uh, again, I put a lot of information into it. I put a lot of There sweat. is a lot of information in there, you guys. Like, <laughs> Well, and I thought it was interesting how you would put, like, um, an experience or, like, a report about something, and then you would, like, quote a government agency or a well-known person um, 
that a researcher and whatnot like underneath. I don't want to give too much away because <laughs> I do want people to check yeah, out the book yeah. For I think you. I think the maybe the the last parting shot is uh, science. Uh, I think science has handcuffed itself on the on the topic. I think mm. uh, it's it's. Wall hit a wall, maybe, or what? Or, well, or they have the created their own wall, and uh, you know, um, if you look at the book, there's a, a section there talking about the um, the University of Colorado you know, scientific study of uh, unidentified flying objects, the Con Condon report. Um, if you begin to dig into it, uh, you understand that um, that was kind of like the um, the swan song of science that gave science the the go-ahead to get out of the UFO business. Just hmm. it got the Air Force got out at that point, and also science got out at that point. So, hmm. well, I know you were talking earlier um, about them visiting us. What about people who claim to have been visited? I mean, there's a whole society out there of people that you know they. Maybe they're not. Maybe the extraterrestrials aren't talking to our world as a whole, but maybe they're going to certain people that they think maybe can help change the way other people look uh, for I, the filter. I, I think anything's possible. I, I think you know. I talk a little bit about abduct abductions. You know, I say you know we do the same thing to lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, you know. Right. So yeah. Um, if I was somebody else, I'd be curious. You know, I'd probably want to take DNA to make sure I wasn't related to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not touching that one right now. Is uh, is this a one-part book? Uh, do, you, do you feel you, uh, maybe another one coming, or is there? Uh, no, I think I think I've said everything I really wanted to say on this one. I've I've been toying with something a little more fictional, kind of. On, along the same subject, right? But uh, so, in your overall point of view, your experience, do you think we'll see full disclosure? No, hmm. never, never. It was, it, it'll have to be an accident. Like the government won't admit it, but a million people oh, will I, see I'm, something. I'm sure they've got they've got some stuff tucked away that would be interesting to look at, and some other things. But I I don't think. Again, because I'm not a big proponent of Roswell, I don't think much other stuff is out there. Hmm. It, it's a it's a fun thing to speculate on, but it's speculation. Do you think you'll ever do like lectures on this kind of thing, like how we have the International UFO Congress here every year? I went to it this last year for the first time. Oh, you did? I was there too. Yeah, we were there, <laughs> and I was somewhat uh, disappointed. I guess I really. Yeah, I I think I think there's a lot more sizzle than steak. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I, that's what I'm saying beforehand is that you know everybody's got a story about this, and right. to that, to what point do you believe them? To, to what point is it real? And we can entertain the thought of that's what you that's what you're going with. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll I'll take your story for your word at it. That's how you want to represent yourself. That way you want to tell me. Right. That's fine. But I'll be the judge of if it's if, if I'm going to buy it or not. Right. If that's how you, if that's how you want to sell, I'll determine myself. And if you feel it's empty, most of it's empty and not enough, like you said, you know, steak, then that's just what it is. That's just the way of the, the nature of, of this genre is, and and the researching and all the yeah, all that again, goes along yeah, with it. Again, it's, just it's part it's, of the game. It's falling down that rabbit hole sometimes. Right. Yeah. But out of that, if one is correct then it might justify a lot of other stories. Yeah, 
but again, um, their stories are not contact. Nobody's landed. Nobody's gotten out. Nobody's shaking hands. Right. There's no photo of there's no selfies with aliens or anything like that. So there's <laughs> <laughs> and, and even video of, of flying saucers in the sky don't look. You know, there's always shaky or fuzzy or out of. That that's been my business for almost forty years. So I I don't believe anything I see. But you have to believe in a UFO. What? Well, because you saw it. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't mean it's from space. It just means you don't right. know what the hell oh, it yeah. is. Unidentified, but... Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. That's my whole point. <laughs> <laughs> Earl Sisson, thank you so much. Uh, Looking Into Another World is the book, and you can find it on Amazon. And, uh, you know, I appreciate your time coming in and hanging yeah. with us and telling your stories. And Super interesting. Maybe down the road we'll do it again. Yeah. Okay, sounds good. Thank I, you. I do appreciate that. Heidi, we're done. We're done. You ready to blast off? I am. All right. Everyone out there, thanks for tuning in. 99.1 FM in the East Valley and 93.9 FM in the West Valley of Phoenix, Arizona. Sunday nights at 9 p.m. The podcast on SoundCloud is on Monday. And on Saturday, you catch us live on, on voiceamerica.com, the Variety Channel, at 4 p.m. It's the Extraterrestrial Rock Show. Aliens. With gas. Man. Thank you, and... Keep watching the skies. Look! Look, Buck! Thanks again for listening.